0: Hey church, I'm sorry that we can't gather in person this week, but I think it is a very appropriate time to examine this theme that we've been going through. Last week, we talked about the beauty of creation, but if we look closer, we realize that it's not all rainbows and butterflies. In fact, I'm about to tell you some stuff, and if you're squeamish or you don't like gross stuff... I want you to hit mute on this video until I snap my fingers like that to let you know it's okay to listen again. I'm serious. Go ahead and hit mute and look at this picture of some cute penguins while I share this stuff. Because nature is also where we find the green emerald wasp. It's a wasp that hunts cockroaches and stings them in the head. And the end of its stinger can actually feel with, and it feels around in their brain for two areas and injects venom into them. And this doesn't kill the cockroach, it just makes it not want to run away anymore. The wasp takes it by the antenna and walks it to its lair, lays eggs inside of it, and the larvae eat it from the inside out. There's another parasite that goes to fish, and it eats their tongue, and it glues itself where their tongue used to be and eats little parts of their meals. Even these cute penguins in the early 1900s, a guy by the name of Murray Levick witnessed such astonishing depravity in them that he hid his observations for 50 years. Welcome back. Even when we look at the beauty and majesty of creation, we also understand that sometimes it destroys things like hurricanes and earthquakes. One time, I was having a conversation with a guy, and he said, the problem I have with your God creating everything is this. And he pointed to himself and he said, this is the best he could do? Looking at him, I kind of had to agree. But I imagine there are many people today asking a question like this. If God is all-powerful and completely good, how did things get so bad? Why would God create a world with suffering and pain and death? When you look through Genesis chapter 1, as God is going through the cycle of creating things, there's this phrase that's repeated six times, and God saw that it was good. God makes Adam and Eve the capstone of creation, and God declares it to be very good. Now, at this point, creation exists in flawless perfection, God gives Adam and Eve a command. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat out of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God puts them in the garden, puts them over everything, and gives them one command, one rule. Now this may seem a little careless of God. You know, if you don't want us touching the tree, don't put it in the middle of the garden. You put a fence around it or something. But God makes the decision very simple for them. You either live in obedience or in rebellion. This isn't something that they're going to do on accident. But now, as I understand human nature, the one thing you should probably not do is specifically tell us not to eat it. Anybody who has kids knows what that means. But why would God give us the choice in the first place? This is one of those areas that some Christians disagree on. But I believe that God, who's sovereign over all things, chose to allow us to reject him. Everything else in all of creation follows God's commands perfectly, without fail. There's not a single atom in the universe that is out of God's control. God could have created us in such a way that we would never rebel, that we would always do exactly what he wanted us to do. He could have made us so that it would be impossible for us to consider doing anything evil so that we would only speak in hymns or king james prose but if god did that would our worship or faith or love mean anything love as we know it involves choice it cannot be forced you can program your phones that siri says i love you baby you could program siri to order you flowers or to play love songs for you but it It wouldn't mean much. You cannot look at another person and say, I'm going to make that person love me. That's not the way it works. So I believe that God allowed the possibility of rejection in sin because it makes our response to him meaningful. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. But God also knew what they would choose. In every page of scripture, the whole story of redemption, this is what God had planned before he created anything. God is never caught off guard. He is never surprised by our actions. Listen to how Acts 2.23 describes God's plan. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God knows the end from the beginning. And he took this perfect, flawless creation and placed it in the hands of free creatures. And we chose to disobey God. Adam and Eve ate from the tree. Sin shatters the created order. Every beast and bird would be changed and all of humanity from this point on is broken how did evil and pain and suffering enter into a perfect world we chose it from here things start happening quickly they immediately experience shame and fear they began hiding from God when God questions Adam He points and blames Eve, and Eve points at the snake. And five minutes in, we have already learned to shift the blame onto others. There are consequences for their actions. God addresses first the serpent, then Eve, and then Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, I don't know if giving birth before this point would have tickled or what, but now it's very different. And it's one thing to read this and another thing to observe it. Sarah did natural childbirth uh, with with no painkillers, and it was intense. I was wore out just watching it. I had never heard her scream in pain before. God says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. The Hebrew here is a little unclear, but now marriage will be hard. To Adam, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Sin did not just disrupt the relationship between us and God and each other. All of creation is affected. Consider that the incredible beauty that we see around us. We're looking at the broken pieces and the after effect of sin corrupting what God had created. Paul in Romans chapter 8 speaks of the current state of the natural world. For the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What is the current state of creation? Subjected to futility, in bondage to corruption. You look at even the smallest speck of soil and it is filled with millions of strains of bacteria devouring and eating each other. You look at the savanna grasses and every form of life is eating and being eaten, bound by suffering and death. Even fleas have parasites that infect them. Thorns and thistles now make farming a continual battle. We read earlier now that Adam had worked in the garden before sin. So work is not an evil thing. Work is a good thing. But now Adam's work is a struggle. Now sweat and toil and pain and frustration mark everything that we put our hands to. Every terrible Monday at work, you can blame Adam and Eve for that. And this is why our phone screens crack. This is why our cars break down and our roofs leak. Other than styrofoam cups, nothing that we create will last forever. For all of our efforts, all of our great structures and monuments, one day will become ruins. And the same will happen to us. In verse 19, God tells Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Our bodies will slowly decay. Just as God had warned them before they ever ate from the tree. Now I try to take good care of my body. I try and be in good health, but we understand that no matter what we do, no matter our diet, no matter your exercise, no matter what supplements you take or medical advancements, our bodies will slowly lose their strength. My hair is already starting to turn gray. I guess it'll probably fall out. My joints will begin to ache in the morning. Diseases like cancer, and the coronavirus now afflict humanity and one day all of us will die our bodies will return to the dust that god formed us from now remember death is described as the result of sin It is not something there from the beginning. God is the source of life, not just the creator, but the sustainer of all things. And so when that relationship with God is disrupted by sin and there's separation introduced, that spiritual death brings physical death. Romans 5.12 describes it this way. Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned spiritual separation and death leads to physical death and this is the world that we live in how did things get this way sin disrupted what god created Now, we've never known anything different. We weren't there in the Garden of Eden. And so, to some parts of this, we've just become used to it. In England, they have a nettle-eating competition. I think it's incredible that humans would look at this plant covered in stinging, venom-filled barbs and be like, I bet I can eat more of that than you can. I wonder if the angels are puzzled watching this happen. Like, God, they're eating the cursed plants. But there's times when tragedy strikes beyond even what we've grown used to. When we're thrown out of our normal patterns of life, just like today. And we're reminded that this is not the way that things should be. That sense of wrongness. And we cry out and we say, this is what God made? This is terrible. And it's so important to remember in those times that we are walking around, we are surrounded by thorns and the broken shards of what God made. You should feel this way. You should feel that there is disorder. That we're not in Eden anymore. And God uses this sense of wrongness to turn our hearts to him. Every good story introduces a tension, a struggle that must be resolved. And so here in the first chapters of Genesis, the creation of all things and the fall into sin sets up the narrative for the rest of the Bible. So when we find our lives characterized by this struggle, when we're fighting against these things and wondering who will speak into the situation of my life, understand that this is the theme of the Bible. But don't miss this. The main character is God. It's not up to us To make everything right. God is the one who promises the ultimate solution. Even before he curses the ground, as God addresses the serpent, he mentions a future descendant of Eve. Genesis 3.15, God says, He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." This point to the cross where Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus and he dies on the cross but Satan's head would be crushed because sin was defeated there. This was the plan from the beginning. This plan will also include the restoration of the created world alongside us on the day when God makes all things new. But right now we're in the in-between, in the not yet. We feel the effects of the fall. We deal with chaos and disease and pain and suffering. But will you trust God's plan through this? There's hope because things are broken, but they're not out of control. Will you say nothing is as it should be? Yet? And then we bring this message of hope to other people because Jesus is the answer. And it's not just for our sin by his his death, but his resurrection points to that future hope that the lost will be found and the hurting will be healed and the broken will be restored one day. Until that day, we cry out longing to see God fulfill his promises. Will you pray with me? God, we look around us and it's not difficult at all to point out all the things that are flawed, all the things that bring pain, all the things that are broken. In fact, it feels like these problems are so massive there's So little that we can do against it, it is overwhelming. And yet, none of this took you by surprise. You promised the way through this from the beginning. We see in the resurrection of Jesus that there is hope. That the victory has already been won. And God, right now we are just crying out for healing for those that we love, but also the hope of the gospel. We know that things aren't the way they should be right now, but they will be one day. God, set our hope on the mercy that will be brought to us at Christ's return. In Jesus' name, amen.